You're listening to Trending with Timory. So, what's trending? Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctor that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. Joining me today, I'm really excited to have join me Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire. You may have heard him on his show, The Michael Knowles Show. If you're not aware, he is actually Catholic and we'll be diving in just a little bit into his story of having converted to Catholicism after having been at Yale. Michael Knowles, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. Okay, I've got to ask, are you hanging out on the beach right now as I'm talking to you? <laughs> I, you know, I did do I did do a live show from the beach just a few days ago uh, on the off chance that Governor Newsom watches my show every day. Uh, but at the moment, I'm I'm back in my studio. Though I I look forward to California opening up sooner rather than later. And if they don't, I might just have to take another walk on the beach anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I actually want to talk about that a little later on, especially the attack on the churches that we're seeing, especially from governors in yep. California. Illinois and New York. But let's talk about this topic of socialism, because I see this as an undercurrent right now behind the coronavirus and how some governors in local cities are deciding to implement things. Uh, People believe that kind of their savior anymore is in the government, a political party or a particular person. Why doesn't socialism actually make people happy? Well, because socialism is a false religion. You know, socialism and communism and those associated systems have been called the god that failed. The entire purpose of Marxism and its uh, evolutions into various types of socialism was to supplant Christianity, so to, to supplant our traditional religion with a materialistic a religion that that tries to create a heaven on earth. And, you know, these terms are a little confusing. We hear about socialism and communism. A good way mm. I've heard it put is that Christians go to heaven and socialists go to communism. <laughs> so communism <laughs> is the sort of utopian conclusion mm. of socialism. And you might have thought that socialism was vanquished with the fall of the Berlin Wall when we won the Cold War. Uh, at the end of the 20th century. But it is making a resurgence now. It's particularly popular among young people. Uh, there were, the various polls have shown that the majority even of young Americans identify as socialists. That's the bad news. The good news is that a much smaller percentage of them can actually define what socialism is. So obviously <laughs> there's a little bit of an ignorance problem going on. And, and one thing I think has been particularly harmful is a rewriting of Christianity, an attempt to say that Christianity is really in some ways a socialistic religion. You hear this Mm. often, people will say Jesus was a socialist. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, Socialism is anti-Christian. The Catechism of the Catholic Church is very clear on this point. And many of our great popes have written at length about the scourge of socialism. Blessed Pope Pius IX wrote about this, St. Pius X talked about this and wrote about 
about this. And uh, Pope Leo XIII wrote uh, Rerum Novarum and Quod Apostolici Muneris, two wonderful encyclicals that refer to socialism as a pest, a plague, something that must be utterly resisted, something that would steal the very gospel itself. His words, not mine, but they're very true words. And so I think it's important even among us Catholics to, to, who might not be drawn in by socialism, but who might go soft on it, to remember that this is a really deeply anti-Christian ideology that, that must be rejected entirely. That's Michael Knowles. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Michael, I was reading up again today on Rerum Navarum from Pope Leo XIII, which you mentioned, and he talks specifically about capital and labor. But in that document, he talks about how specifically things such as socialism and communism actually really kind of attacks the idea of the human nature and the person. And in fact, it starts to kind of diminish and say things such as just natural basic differences between human persons, you know, the capacity to have different gifts and skills, health level, strength, fortune. Uh, He says this is actually a good thing. And yet socialism kind of tries to push that any thriving within the the social or political atmosphere is a bad thing. And so what he says, no, differences are good. And socialism is trying to abolish any differences, that it has to be completely perfect, you know, united, fair in any way. Yet that really kind of takes away, I would say, Michael, from the dimension of the human person that even in the male-female dynamic, what we desire about friendships, what we desire about our spouses is that there's something other than ourselves. And that's such a fundamental part of who we are. Of course. Uh, socialism, communism, uh, all modern ideologies are based on a fundamental misunderstanding of human nature. And this is why all of the socialist theorists over time and the socialist dictators who followed in their footsteps sought primarily to change human nature. And yet the the fact of nature is you can't change it. That's why it's our nature. And so any attempt to fundamentally change human nature apart from who we are is destined to fail. And this is why you saw such carnage in the 20th century. One of the lines that's attributed to Joseph Stalin, very famous, socialist was that you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs and there were about a hundred million eggs that were cracked in the 20th century in communist China in the Soviet Union in uh, so many places Cuba all all around the world Vietnam and uh, they haven't succeeded at at changing human nature because you can't they've just succeeded at uh, spreading misery all around and even where people were not killed by socialism the the premises of it have really ruined people's lives as you say this idea that all human beings have to be exactly the same. This idea that men and women can't be complementary to one another. They have to be identical. This has bred a lot of misery, a lot of alienation, a lot of loneliness. You see this expressed in a sort of hyper-individualism that says that we have no need of anybody else, no need of the family, no need of social structures. And you see this in the kind of pathetic statism that's spread around, that the, the only meaningful relationship any of us can have is with the federal government. You know, former President mm-hmm. Barack Obama tried to push this idea during his 2012 re-election campaign. He had a a very uh, ominous uh, 
project called The Life of Julia. It was actually so awful that they've scrubbed it from the internet. But it was this thought experiment <laughs> of this young woman, hypothetical woman named Julia, who from cradle to grave has only one meaningful relationship in her life, and that is with the government. And, and that's not a life that any of us wants to live. We, we know that it's not in accordance with our nature. It's not in accordance with who we are meant to be. And uh, it's, it's incumbent on all of us to remember that uh, when we're looking at various political systems, uh, the, the ones that alienate us from our church and, and ultimately from ourselves are the ones we have to reject. That's Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire. You're listening to Trending with Timmer. You can find Michael Knowles' show at dailywire.com. Michael, I keep coming back to this topic. At the beginning of the show, I was talking about a new show that's about to launch on Fox called Labor of Love, about a 41-year-old woman who says she has it all, is happy, beautiful, a successful career, but lo and behold, she's unhappy because she doesn't have a baby, and now she's trying to be set up with a man or decide to not settle down with a man and have a baby on her own. Yet, we look at kind of the Christian understanding of the human person, specifically the Catholic understanding, our Catholic theology, talks about how we are made to be a gift of self. And there's this great value and transformation in the virtue of giving yourself to others. Yet the government, through socialism, says, no, let the government give you everything and don't be unique. Don't give your gifts to other people. Just rely on the government. And so kind of coming back again to this idea of socialism destroying that nature, it's telling us to just kind of be blonde, even to lose any sense of a personality in sense of gifts that we have. Yeah, that's right. It, it basically views people as uh, commodities, as, as things that can be exchanged one to another. And so when there are policies that are being written, they view people like an economist would view people on an accounting sheet. But obviously, we're not mere statistics. We're, we're not mm -hmm. just bean counting when we talk about people. Every person has unique gifts, unique talents, has a unique relationship to God. And so we, we need to look at those people individually. There's a real temptation in modern culture to believe that, you know, this is the secular material world. This is all that there is. When I die, I'm going to just go take a dirt nap. I'm going to turn to worm food. And so uh, in that kind of false understanding of life, then the only purpose of life is to just get as much pleasure as we possibly can for ourselves. And yet we know as Catholics that there is a purpose to life. There, first of all, there's something beyond death, but there's something beyond the material world as well. And so by the logic of, of our modern society, it's very hard to understand how by giving of ourselves, we can actually receive so much more, that it's actually so much more gratifying when we give ourselves over to some effort or to some person or ultimately to God. And yet we know that that is the case. I mean, it, the, you know, the devil tempts us in every single age. And I, I think that idea of individual and specifically material pleasure is one that is tempting in our age. And frankly, the, the founder of this socialist ideology, Karl Marx, talked about this pretty explicitly in his own poetry, in his own writings. He referred in very creepy, dark ways to the devil and, and to the temptations of the devil. He said his soul was bound for hell. Uh, this kind of language, you know, even from a committed atheist and materialist, clearly takes on a spiritual dimension. And uh, those, those temptations have a spiritual dimension too, whether we want to admit it or not. Michael, how is this concerning right now with regard to the coronavirus? Do you see socialism as becoming even more threatening right now, especially as we kind of see this lockdown on the churches? 
Of course. I mean, you, you heard the logic of this from Andrew Cuomo, who I suppose occasionally refers to himself as a Catholic, even though he once <laughs> lit up his buildings in New York out of joy when they legalized oh. abortion up until the point of birth. And, uh, and so under that context, Andrew Cuomo decides to moralize on the sanctity of human life. And he said that if all of his efforts in the lockdown and shutting down businesses and locking people in their homes, if that saves just one life, it will have all been worth it. And of course, this is a false <laughs> choice. My head. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's crazy. This, it's a false choice, first of all. There's no evidence that those efforts have saved any lives whatsoever. And there is a lot of evidence that those, those efforts have ended lives. But even beyond that, our, our purpose in this world is not merely to exist. You know, our, our, the way that we think about society is not just, you know, how many people can exist, you know, and if you have one extra person, then that's good. And one fewer person, then that's no good. Uh, the human life is much more individual than that, and there is much more to consider. And, and when you hear of people locking down businesses, that's a problem. Preventing people from putting food on their tables, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, locking the churches. You talk about what a perverse set of priorities we have in this culture. The mayor of Los Angeles has announced that he's willing to open up some restaurants and some retail shops, but he's not going to open up the churches for months and months, if not years. Of course, to them, there's no reason to go to a church. Why risk it? But there is a reason to go to retail shops or to, you know, go to public schools and, and be indoctrinated in the, uh, the, the ideas of, of liberalism and of the state. Uh, that this is a, a real victory, at least in the short run, of the state over the churches over our spiritual life, and uh, we need to resist it. And I certainly hope that uh, some of our spiritual leaders and the bishops will uh, will take this problem with the seriousness that it deserves and push back against it because people need the sacraments. Amen. We need to be vocal about this. That's a Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire joining us here today. And, you know, I'm so proud of my mom. These past couple weeks, she's been testifying before the Board of Supervisors in their town, and they end up finally kind of getting rid of face masks and some other things in the area here. But it just reminds me that it takes one person to speak up and say things that are so common sense. We're destroying people's livelihood. We are, you know, cr contributing to this massive domestic abuse, this abuse of children right now. I mean, people are literally killing their spouses in ways that we have never seen before. And it's because we have removed God from a culture. We are saying, you can't give your livelihood. You can't seek after a livelihood. You can't put food on the table, like you said. I mean, this is what we are creating. And this is what socialism is, in a sense, what we're experiencing during this lockdown. Well, yes, you know, socialism posits that uh, Karl Marx said this and all of his followers did, too, that they've discovered the science of history. And so there's no need to engage in politics like you and I do. You know, we would per try to persuade our fellow citizens and, f and weigh different ethical questions. No, that all goes out the window with socialism because they've discovered the one true science of history. And so you've just got to follow that technical, scientific uh, idea of history. And yet, when we look around at the effects of science today, the scientists don't have a very good track record in this lockdown. They told us to wear masks, then they told us not to wear masks, and then they told us to lock down and not to lock down. They, they don't seem to know very much of anything. I think perhaps <laughs> it would be better to follow uh, our spiritual leaders here and, and give a little bit more credit to religion and the natural religious longings of man rather than try to pretend that we can control all of the material world. We simply can't do that.
I'm wondering what happened to the gloves, too. I remember at the beginning of all of this, everyone was wearing gloves. And, oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay, you can't make me, like, sweaty on my face and now sweaty on my hands, too. Like, I'm going to be, like, dripping everywhere at a certain point. That's this right. This is unbelievable. That's Michael Knowles from Daily Wire. You can find his show, The Michael Knowles Show, at dailywire.com. We'll be right back talking about his conversion story and just a little bit more on this blatant attack on religion here in California, Illinois, New York, and other states specifically by our governors. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire will be joining us again in just a second to talk about his conversion to Catholicism while studying at Yale and also just a little more on this blatant attack on religion in California, Illinois, and New York. Michael, it's great to have you. I want to touch just a little bit more on some of what came out. Actually, I was just looking at Illinois specifically. It's been quite a battle over religion. And yet they're saying in Illinois, it could be more than a year till churches open up. And in fact, they've even banned drive through confessions that follow all social distancing requirements. What are your thoughts here? This is obviously a political power grab at this point, and uh, it must be resisted as such. You saw this around the country. There was a Protestant uh, church that was offering drive-through services. So mm-hmm. you go up and you listen to the the pastor or whatever, and they banned that as well. Now, obviously, this doesn't put anybody's health at risk, but it, it's more of a flex from the government to for them to tell you what what they will do and what they won't do. You know, th- there is a lot of chatter now around the country that they're going to reopen the schools because what else are you going to do with the kids? You can't be expected to stay home with your kids, and they're going to reopen open certain retail businesses because people have to shop, you know, they've got to get new clothing and gadgets, but there's no plan (laughs) to reopen the churches because I think for a lot of uh, liberal atheistic people, they just think that church is an anachronism from an old age back when people held these crazy superstitious beliefs about things like the human soul and God and heaven. <laughs> and so they, they think that they can just push that off into the future. And frankly, if the church is never reopened, that would be a, a fine and dandy thing. Honestly, the the way that some of these states are going, I feel like our malls are going to be open before churches open. They will. They certainly will. I mean, that that is the priority of our culture. And unfortunately, we haven't seen a whole lot of courage from the people who are supposed to be leading us and who are supposed to be uh, our shepherds and who are supposed to be opening the churches. You know, it's one thing for Protestant people to say that, you know, they can just stream their church services on Facebook or something because they very often don't have a sense of the sacraments. But we Catholics need the sacraments. We have to go uh, before the, the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. We need to go to confession. We, you know, ours is a an incarnational faith. And uh, I don't know if it's that our politicians don't understand it or they just don't care. But this simply cannot go on for months and months and years and years. Something's got to give. And it requires courage on, on the part of Catholics. Sometimes I think we forget that courage is a virtue and it's the mm. prerequisite of all of the virtues. And uh, as it becomes clearer that this is just an opportunistic play for power, by politicians. We should not accept it. 
Absolutely. It encourages to act in the face of fear. Fear is not gone. And I think that, you know, there are steps that we have to take, whether that's, you know, speaking in front of local government officials who have the ability to have an influence. What do you see are some of the steps that we lay people can take right now to help open up our churches? Well, one thing that I noticed out here with our California Governor Newsom is that he apparently does listen to pressure. You know, they, Governor Newsom locked down all of the beaches for a while, and then they start to reopen. And some people in Orange County, California, one of the few conservative areas left in the state, they protested. They said, we're not going to do this. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go out. I and it. It, it seemed... So I know it was so fabulous. Uh, you know, it seemed as though he was targeting them because th- that county did not vote for him in 2018. He's got some political opponents there. And uh, but then all of a sudden, when people just ignored his order, and these people were being very uh, prudential, they were they were you know remaining distant from one another. It's not as though they were sort of coughing on, in each other's faces or anything like that. They were being very cautious. And so he he decided to reopen those beaches because uh, you know if we don't listen to these politicians then uh, they've got a real credibility problem on their hands. And I think they're learning that you can't lead people where they don't want to be led. And so we need to grow a backbone, <laughs> all of us faithful, and uh, start pushing back on it because they they will listen. They only have so much power. They only have so much credibility. And it's it's the amount that we give them. And I find it fascinating because I'm seeing people with activism roots, a lot of people in the marriage and family movement, the pro-life movement, who are willing to speak up right now. You know, they're having to be distracted by the fact that our abortion clinics are left open, but our churches aren't. And maybe we need to focus a little bit more time on the churches. So I want to encourage people, get out there, get out there with your signs. Don't be afraid to speak up. And it's not just writing our bishops. Our bishops are great, but writing our political leaders locally, statewide is very important. Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire is with me. You can find his show at dailywire.com. Michael, let's talk about your conversion to Catholicism. You studied at Yale and you were not Catholic when you went there. Walk us through your faith journey and what kind of transformed this for you. Sure. I mean, I suppose properly you would call it a reversion because I was a a cradle Catholic, but I I fell away from the faith by age 13. Uh, That was the time at which there was a lot of... uh, uh, the new atheists, you know, Christopher Hitchens and Daniel Dennett and those guys, and that their arguments are not very good arguments, that, but they appeal to a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> so I uh, was taken with them. This was also during the time of the sex crisis in the church, and the, I, I also, you know, I take full responsibility for my falling away from the church. I think it was the uh, hubris of a teenage boy. Uh, but I will say, too, that the the weak liturgies, the sort of effeminate liturgies that I was raised with as the as the only option, you know, these sort of sappy hymns from the 70s, you know, you know, these songs that weren't even cool 50 years ago and the felt banners and all that sort of saccharine sentimentality, uh, is, it doesn't really give people, especially boys, something to hold on to, something to understand that there's a real order and a beauty and an intellectual heft. So I make it to Yale as an atheist, and I noticed all the people were very smart, most of them atheists, but the very smartest people were Christian, and the smartest of them were uh, more more uh, traditional. You know, they were either high church Anglican or Catholic or on their way to becoming Catholic. And so I was convinced intellectually that God exists by a roommate of mine who presented me with one of the arguments, St. Anselm's ontological argument for God. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's not an argument that convinces a lot of people, but it really right. got me. I found it to be a charming argument. And then I 
I read more. You know, I read C.S. Lewis. I, I encountered the Thomistic arguments for God, and I just thought about it. And it was this long process of getting myself over the intellectual hurdle, because our whole culture tells us that if you believe in God, you're some kind of dummy. Even though, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone would call Thomas Aquinas a dummy, but that's a, that's how it's been presented to us. And only at that point. Hemingway says things happen gradually, then suddenly. Uh, this was probably just after I'd left Yale. I don't know, it was about 22, 23. Uh, only after that intellectual reversion, that understanding, then the, the more spiritual elements really began to hit me. And, uh, and that process, you know, I guess about 23 until the present, has only deepened. That's something that's so nice about the faith, is, uh, you know, uh, as uh, my, my priest, Father Rutler, says, quoting Dr. Johnson, shallows are clear, and shallow thinking is clear, but deep things are profound. They're a little murky, and so you kind of can delve those depths, and there's, there's no end to it, because we, we could never comprehend the faith. It, mm. uh, it's, in its very nature, it's incomprehensible. Right. That's Michael Knowles of The Daily Wire. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Michael, it reminds me a couple of weeks ago, I had Hel- Helen Alvare with me, and we were talking about uh, law students right now and kind of what's the problem that so many law students can't see truth, they can't come to a basic understanding of God. And she really said, I think it's just time. They don't have time to just sit and yeah. think, or they don't take the time about these arguments. And so I think it's very profound. You know, your experience there at Yale, I remember you commenting when you were on the show before that you were kind of looking at, like, who are the smart people? Who are the people I'm engaging with on yeah campus, and there were people of faith. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And also the world, you know, if you have a material, materialist, secular, liberal, you know, whatever phrase you want, worldview, it's seductive, but the world doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, you can't really make sense of your deepest longings, your loves, your joys, your hopes, your own sense of yourself, the reason you're here. I mean, it it sort of transforms all of existence into an ironic, cruel joke. And then when you see the world through the lens of the faith, everything begins to make sense. I mean, you know, Catholicism is such a, so rich in symbols that we recognize that this material that we're touching that's all around us has a spiritual and a metaphysical significance as well. And and it it just, uh, either the world is one cruel joke and we're wrong about everything and we can't even rely on our own faculties of reason, at which point, you know, who cares? Or this makes sense. And I think if young people were given the time and maybe the encouragement to think on these eternal questions instead of remaining perpetually agitated with whatever the latest politics news is or whatever the latest technology is, if they were able to really contemplate those questions, even for a few hours, I think they would find that modern, secular modernity just uh, doesn't, doesn't suffice. It doesn't answer those questions. It doesn't satisfy. And that's the beast of the news cycle right now with the coronavirus. You'd think that this was our time to pull back, to pause, to rest, to kind of think about those things we haven't had time to think about. But instead, we're being consumed by the news cycle. Listen, Michael, I have another question for you. You mentioned earlier kind of this effeminacy of the liturgy, the Catholic liturgy, and how it was a turnoff for you, you know, when you were a young boy. And I'm going to get in trouble here because last time you and I spoke about this, we had a lot of pushback. (laughs) But there's such value to what you're having to say. There's so many men who are saying church does not engage me. And I have to tell you, and I'm going to get myself in trouble here. There are times where 
I will go to a certain <laughs> church or I'm traveling and I cannot pray because I am having to plug my ears because of the songs that are being sung that are so awkward, are so awfully written, bad theology, that I'm more angry and frustrated and distracted by the song. And it's unfortunate because good music, good, beautiful liturgical music elevates the soul and allows for contemplation rather than distraction. Of course. I mean, the whole premise of these sappy, frequently heretical songs like Eagle's Wings and songs like that, the whole idea was that they're going to be hip and cool and bring the youths back to the church. And, and that simply doesn't happen. You know, when you go into these uh, more hippy dippy kind of uh, liturgies, the median age is about 107. And when you go into a traditional Latin mass, which, you know, I, I only became available even when I turned, I guess, 16, 17, and uh, I had never been raised with it. When, when you go to a traditional Latin mass, the median age is about 22 and somehow they all have 10 kids. I don't know how that is, you know. That's where the life is. That's where the growth is. That's where the vibrancy is. And so I, I do wish that some of the people who were so interested in bringing the youths back to the church would actually listen to those youths. You know, I mentioned uh, the great Father Rutler earlier. He had a, a wonderful line about how some some perhaps well-intentioned but misguided priests will, you know, turn the the modern mass into a sort of performance like ham actors in a dying vaudeville show, to use his phrase. When, when we realize, when we attend a, a more traditional liturgy, the priest is facing ad orientum, that he's leading us, he's leading us in in a, a real prayer and a real sacrifice and he's not merely putting on a show so that we can be entertained for an hour before we go to brunch you know there as as this world is so rich in symbolism then all these moments of the mass these symbols really matter and it would seem to me just from anecdotally from my own experience and talking to many other young people that they find that that richness uh, so much so much more in in the traditional forms of liturgy and in the the traditional Latin Mass. Mm. And it's fascinating because even places where, let's say they don't have the Latin Mass, but what we're seeing is there's an increase in a return to chant. There's an increase in a return yeah. to the smells, the bells, and all of these elements. The reverence right. is palpable. I mean, people, young people, and we're talking about young people because young people haven't seen the reverence of the liturgy. Even 20 years ago in my own childhood, there was deeper reverence, silence before Mass, people praying after Mass. I mean, if you've grown up in the last 15, 20 years, I mean, that's gone away. And so I hear a lot of people say, well, I grew up with kind of some of this hippiness. I've grown up with, you know, the music that we're used to. But sometimes when that foundation hasn't been kind of set for a lot of people, they really are struggling. And I get it. Of course. And there, I mean, I think you've touched on a great point here, which is that this is not simply a battle between the Tridentine Mass and the Mass of, uh, of Paul VI, the Novus Ordo. There can be a reverent Novus Ordo. It's just unfortunately there have been so many liturgical abuses over the past 50 years that people forget that. They, th they think that the new mass is sort of intrinsically irreverent, but it doesn't have to be. If you, if right. you just bring back altar rails, if you bring back a, receiving the Eucharist on the tongue, if you bring back some chanting, if you bring back some smells and bells, if you, if, if you simply brought back the priest facing ad orientum, just that change alone would so radically uh, alter people's perspectives and, and uh, put it uh, quite literally in the right direction. 
I agree with you 100%. That's Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire. You can find his show, The Michael Knowles Show, at dailywire.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Michael. We'll have to have you back again soon. Timory, so good to be with you. Thank you so much. You can listen to more of Trending with Timory via the Relevant Radio app or at relevantradio.com slash trending.